This is the Reading Aloud Podcast. I'm Marisol Collette. And I'm Adam Collette. And you love us because we love you. We sure do. And let's get to today's conversation. (laughs) Okay, so for those of you following along with our 2023 sex goal, um, you can listen to the purpose of it, the goal of it. No. You can listen to our, the specific, you can listen to the specific, you can listen, (laughs) words. Maybe you should just stop it. You can listen. (laughs) You can listen to the specifics of our goal at episode 141 called Sexpectations. But I just want to say, for those of you who had some assumption about how we do things, we just had sex for the first time in a month. Is that accurate? Was it a full month? Probably not, but there was a failed time it was more like I want to say, it it was it was close to a month. I'll call it three weeks. But the time that we tried it, we I would call that a, I would actually call that a solid fail. Okay. Right. You don't believe in failure. Yeah, it was pretty much fail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah okay. I would agree Great. that was so fail. Then it's been a month. Okay. It's been With a month. One failed attempt. At least one we tried. failed attempt. Yeah. A for effort. C plus. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, but but one thing that's coming back up, which was a true theme th- for us throughout our trying period of our infertility journey, was the emotional ties uh, that come mm-hmm. with trying when there is some type of pressure added uh-huh, to it, or some type of expectation or pressure, right, added to it. And whether or not we were having lots of sex or no sex at all that you know we had gone now several years without that sort of frame in which we were having sex under you know those pressure and expectations around the trying aspect and so that kind of came back up and it was just a reminder of you know the intensity of that yeah and we essentially have decided that the sex expectation this year is to have sex when we don't normally feel like it and so well when we feel like it and also when we don't feel like it. So to be able to just kind of connect regardless and do it in a way. And we talked at the beginning about like, are we going to fight the whole time? As like, is it going to create problems uh, instead of connection? And and so far it's been connection, but we went through a patch of like, I mean, each one of us was sick from every angle for about that month and then busy. So so I agree the pre- the pressure was back. But the funny thing is, is that for the first time ever, I desperately don't want to be pregnant. And that's what we're going to talk about today is our surrogacy process and where we're at. But I realized that in all of our like fun sex goals that we, I had actually, we had put ourselves at a higher risk of getting pregnant and we weren't doing hard we we're doing shit to stop it we just assumed that i wouldn't get pregnant i mean that that's yeah. not smart <laughs> yeah i mean it's not smart at all right so yeah. part of it was that i kind of got freaked out we had to figure something out right so we're going to talk about where we are in our surrogacy journey and i realize that we haven't actually shared many of the specifics we talk in our podcast about the emotions of it with some of the details of where we're at but i want to cover the top five things that we've had to do in this process. Part of this also is just coming from the fact that we have been telling more people. I mean, we talk openly about it on the podcast. And so hundreds of you listen to it and know the journey on from this medium. But, you know, in our daily lives, more of our friends who may or may not listen are just kind of asking about it. 
And so we began talking about it. And I think one of the most interesting things uh, that's come up as we talk about surrogacy is, and this isn't necessarily a surprise, but just how foreign it is to people. And they know nothing about the process. Now, again, that's not a surprise. That's not a dig on anyone because, hell, I didn't know anything about the process when we started. It was just a concept and you you know, you know, kind of knew the basics, like someone else carried the child. There wasn't any details around it. And so, and we get a lot of these questions and, and we thought that because we have gone through this experience, it, it would just be helpful to go over some of the more specifics around what it meant. And I like your frame of top five. And- Adam and I know a lot more than maybe even people who are doing surrogacy in a different way than us know because we aren't going through an agency. So we've had to play the part of, you know, researcher, asker, and anything the agency would have done to make this process run in a smooth order. We've had to do all of that. Right. It's like it's like selling your house without an agent. That's you right. Know. Oh, big time. There's a lot of the detailed work that you don't think about when you have a real estate agent, uh, but that you would have to do if you're independently representing yourself. So same thing here. That's a great comparison. So the first thing, what's the first thing that we did? Well, the first thing that we did was call our fertility clinic. And, you know, clearly folks know we had been through one IVF process with this clinic. So we did have some established relationship with the clinic and we do have our frozen embryo. So we had all that in place. We did not have to go through the initial process of harvesting the eggs and the transfer and stuff. That's all done and that's the IVF process. But we did call our fertility clinic and the key piece there was we found out that our fertility clinic does have a surrogacy coordinator. So that is the person in charge at the clinic who is in place and it is their job to support families going through a surrogacy process uh, through all of the processes that need to be checked off through that. And that, that was an important step of getting in touch with the surrogacy coordinator. Because we weren't going through an agency, there was definitely some convincing of that surrogacy coordinator, just to be honest here, that like we were real and serious about this. I think because we, again, we said this before, but because we do it independently, um, there's a lot of kind of questioning, like, are you sure you guys weren't just drunk one night and we're like, yeah, you have my baby kind of thing. I mean, this was real. So we definitely had to cross that bridge several times. Uh, but that surrogacy coordinator was key and and a big first step. I love that you went for, are you sure you weren't just drunk one night? <laughs> I mean, the South came out, but also that it wasn't just like, you sure you didn't just have a random conversation? Like, how sure are you? You're like, definitely she thought we were wasty face and casual. I mean, yeah, you know, that's, yeah, I mean, to be clear, I don't think she actually thought that. But Well, but what she did think was how serious are these folks and how, and then I think it kind of came as a surprise to her. So it was then her responsibility to make a list of things for us. So she kind of did that in some kind of order and we went through that list. So the thing, the first thing that we had to do was find medical, get medical approval for our surrogate. And she hadn't had an appointment with an OB since she had had her second child. So she had to get updated OB and primary care checkups and documents sent to the fertility clinic. She had to meet a list of requirements around previous experience with pregnancy and then general health questions for now. So it was a pretty big workup. And I think we started, we started at the, in the fall 
in the fall of last year. Um, and actually getting that first medical appointment didn't happen till the start of January. So all in all, I think the funny thing is, and I don't know if we've said this before, but I think the funny thing is, is that when we made the decision was in October and our surrogate was like, I was like, so when are you available? And she was like, well, I have Veterans Day off in October and then I have this off and this off. And I think we thought we would just walk into the clinic and be like, we're ready. But, it, you know, we're into April. We're well into April now. So it's been a long process for sure. Yeah. And so just to be clear, those were the first two things. Number one is contacting the surrogate or the fertility clinic. And then second is the medical approval of the surrogate. Those are kind of the first two of our five key things here. Number one, get in touch with your yeah, surrogacy yeah, coordinator. Yeah, yeah. And number two, uh, get the medical approval and a workup of your surrogate. Oh. So then the third thing that we kind of underwent was the psychological evaluation. And this was the process where they require that uh, both the surrogacy and their family and the intended parents have uh, psychological evaluations. They call them the gestational carrier. We call her the glamping setup. <laughs> the glamping. The official term is glamping setup. Right. It went from Airbnb to glamping. Yeah. So, so yeah. So the psychological evaluation and this, this process was a little bit tricky. So because, because our surrogate was out of state and uh, in a different state than we are, we each did a psychological evaluation independently. So my soul and I did uh, one with a psychologist. The surrogate uh, did one with a psychologist. But then we had to do a joint one. Now, what was interesting about this is we had to find a psychologist who was licensed in both our state and their state, which was not necessarily that easy. And I think we lucked out. <laughs> we really lucked out in that process because it could have been a lot harder. Yeah. And I, I agree that we lucked out. So it was interesting because I thought I had the sense that we were being psychologically tested, which I thought was pretty appropriate. But what it ended up being was more of an informational and educational session. And that was really interesting because we do a lot of processing. And because our gestational carrier, our GC is our dear friend, we've also done a lot of talking with them. And we are not people who avoid hard truths. So when they asked, she was asking questions, and it was like, yes, we've talked about that. And I think she was wanting in some ways to kind of give us a little bit of a like, oh, I haven't thought of that. And she gave maybe one or two. But for the most part, it kind of came down to we were run we were running out of things to talk about. She So she just kind of went into like, what if she dies? And we're just like, yeah, that would be the worst possible outcome. <laughs> like, and we are still ready to take that risk and we've talked to her about it and we, we know the risk. It was, it was sort of, it sort of got dark really quick. Cause I don't know that she knew what else to ask, but you know, I think for a lot of people, that's a very informative time. And what ended up being even more informational. So, so the GC had to go through extensive psychological testing, a lot, like I think a 200 page questionnaire or 200, 200 question questionnaire. And, but because she is uh, has a spouse, he had to be part of it also. And then we the one we did together, I actually thought that was really interesting. I was like, wow, that person has to not only be a they have like I was just amazed at what the psychologist had to offer. I mean, it's not just look at these people and decide if they know what they're doing. It she had extensive 
knowledge about the process that honestly the surrogacy coordinator or our initial psychologist did not tell us and I thought it was just incredible what she shared and I felt like that was one of the more beneficial and I think that even though our GC and us have had lots of conversations over time I really think we got to some really like actually found some hard questions to talk through. I also think that it makes a difference when there's a third party in the room and that's what that person is there for because you have a way of communicating, not you particular, but one in general probably has a way of communicating, of course, with your partner or in our case with our with our surrogate who is a person that we know. And that is just like, it's different when there's another person asking the question because you, you have to answer in this way that there's a, there's a level of clarity about it and there's a level of um, uh, truth around it. Because when you're communicating with your friend, you know, it's something like, yeah, 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 of course, right? Or there's all this stuff. And not saying that we did that, but there is that there can be those type of answers. But when there's a third party in the room, then you have to like, what does that mean? Okay, let's l- let me answer this the way somebody else would understand. And that makes a huge difference, not only in clarifying those questions, um, but also learning about the process, as you noted. And this was, I think, one of the most critical times in really us. I felt like this was a turning point in our, like, commitment to the process in the sense of, you know, before, of course, we're already committed. And, of course, we've already done some of this medical stuff. But once you kind of... It starts to make it really real. It starts to make it really real. Exactly. And so, you know, this was, I think, just a really critical turning point um, in our in our process. I actually thought that this set us up pretty good for the final stage, which was the legal. So before doing the legal, before doing the legal paperwork, we the next step was a mock trial. So we've mentioned that on the podcast already. But a mock trial is where the GC has to take the medications that she would take in the case of a transfer. And when I did IVF, I came in initially for what's called a scratch or a biopsy where they take a piece of the uterine lining to make sure everything's okay. And then um, a couple of other tests, but I didn't have to take the medication in order to do that. That's just done solo. When she came in for her biopsy, she had to first take all the medications as if she was going to do a transfer and they had to see how she was responding. I appreciate I appreciate that with a surrogate, they're really wanting to ensure that this is the best case glamping situation. And when she came in, so then she came in for that testing and we got to be there. And it's been really sweet because the team really is inclusive of us. Like this GC is an extension of us. And that means that both Adam and I got to be present for the entire exam and support the GC. But also it was just like, it was kind of like she's a channel for us. And so we're not left out of the process or she's not the parent. So she doesn't get treated like a parent, which she doesn't want to be treated like a parent. She actually doesn't want a lot of attention placed on her at all because she's not doing this for show or to be a big part of it other than to just support us in getting what we want out of this, which is another member to our family. (laughs) I mean, it's funny because as you're talking, it's good that we're recapping this for us because it's, it's still bringing up stuff. We've had a crazy past month. You open with that. (laughs) Right. And, um, it's amazing how 
just how how quickly these things move through yet how powerful they are and i'm not saying that it's like it's i i lost touch with it or it hasn't been on my mind because it's been on our minds but you know just recapping it just it, it also reminds me now how far we've come in this i mean this has been almost a year of yeah. you know whatever, whatever the specific timing is but it feels like a whole nother year of kind of journeying through it so anyway this is good that was just a adam m- pause moment of reflection so the last pro- the last thing in this process is the legal. Again, facing kind of some of the similar challenges that we uh, talked about with the with the psychological process and the the psyche valves was that you know our surrogates in a different state, and so I think the basic what what you are doing here and the most basic thing that that y'all should take away if you're learning about this process is you need to get in whatever state that the birth is happening you need to get what's called a pre-birth order right and that could be even if you're in the same state right yes even if you're in the same state but essentially and we'll get into maybe a couple of the specifics of how you get that pre-birth order in the contract but what you're what you're working towards is what's called a pre-birth order and this is an actual official document from a judge that says that person x is having this baby giving birth to this baby in this hospital, but person Y, family Y, is taking this baby home. And as soon as that baby is born, all legal rights of the child are transferred or obtained by the intended parents, by the family. And you you need that you need that piece of paperwork um, because of course, and this you know logically makes sense, uh, the hospital needs to know and there needs to be some legal grounds on which when that baby is born from somebody else that a, another set of parents takes over as soon as that baby is born. That pre-birth order is what you're working towards. And so we've been doing the legal process to get there. Well, that's interesting. So that's not necessarily what we're working on right now. Well, what we're working on is the legal contract that's signed. Now, that legal contract will be what's presented to a judge. That's interesting. So what the way that I think about this is that we're coming to an agreement, right? Like it has questions about maternity clothes. How much money are we going to spend on maternity clothes? What kind of COVID uh, specifications are we going to have? You know, the, the agreement for the duration of the birth. And I appreciate that because it has brought up so many questions about specific things that are probably rare, unlikely occurrences, and definitely not likely to come up between us and our GC because of the amount of conversation we've had and because of her particular take on it, which is this is not something that she wants to be compensated for um, in many ways. Like we're not doing a traditional compensation structure and that this is a, what did the legal agreement say? Like a, a act of compassion or something like that, a compassionate It was something interesting. It was basically the opposite of this is something the person is doing, you know, out of love for this situation, but for in and this will be yeah, not for income. Yeah, right. And then I had a lot of questions for our GC. So I think that this has been, again, another really clarifying piece that I felt a little prepped for because of that group psychological evaluation. I just didn't realize that psyche eval was going to be informational like that. I'm so grateful for that person because they're also coming from a therapeutic place. So helping us process that, not just the legal, which is answering questions. Yeah. 
I think you're probably right that this contract is is separate from a pre-birth order. I would probably say that a judge would ask if you have a legal contract in For place. Sure. Um, but we are working on that kind of yeah that con that official legal contract between the parties to clarify all these things. And my reflection here, it's just been. <laughs> All of these things, it's been an amazing process to learn a situation from all different angles, from the emotional side, from the legal side, from the uh, medical side, from all of these different aspects. We really have, over the past year, gotten this deep crash course in surrogacy. And I feel like we got that deep crash course in IVF and learned a lot about bodies and how and science and all of that. It's just like... Every part of this process now, how do we then, I always think like, how do we use this for the benefit of others? And I think that the podcast is one way as well as if we meet people who are in a in the same situation and we can support um, or answer questions. That when people suffer from severe medical issues and illnesses, it's not necessarily the crash course you wanted, but because it is the truth of your life that with that you can be of support or present to others going through similar things. I remember being a part of, or I still am a part of a, um, Facebook group called the Preemie Palace. And when we were told that Neo might come somewhere at the like 25, 26 week mark, a friend told me about this and I'm so grateful she did. And I joined the group and they were so welcoming and it was their experience with one of the most difficult situations in their lives created a, you know, was then created a Facebook group to be able to support others. And it was interesting because it was like, even when the baby didn't come, even when Neo didn't come early, I was like, okay, y'all, thank you for your support. And they were like, no, 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 no. You, you had to go through that. You are welcome here. And I'm so glad because after Neo was born, I was able to ask questions about breastfeeding. And then I was able to ask questions when we were going to start this next round of IVF around planned cesareans and abdominal cerclage and things like that. And they had answers. People had experiences. And I'm going to go back in and talk to talk about surrogacy because these are all people who have struggled with some kind of fertility issue in some way. So that's what I, that's all I can imagine is this crash course is going to be of support, including this very podcast. Yeah. Just adding to that, I think that for those listening or those listening that know somebody who's, who's going through any aspect of a fertility journey, whether that be just struggles with infertility, whether that be IVF, whether that be a surrogacy or not even have even considered the possibility of surrogacy as an option um, on their journey. I think one of my biggest takeaways throughout our whole six plus year journey now has been the magnitude of support that is out there if you just ask. And I know that we are now two people that are an available resource for any of you um, wondering. You can always reach out to us at readingaloudlove at gmail.com or in the DMs of our Instagram handle at readingaloud. And for me coming in, I never thought that I never even I said this before, but like surrogacy was I knew it existed, but it it was never even in my like remote range of possibilities. And now it's a reality for us. And um, I'm very grateful for that. So the final thing, two things I wanted to say is that pre-birth order doesn't actually happen till I think at least week 12 of the pregnancy. So that that place where people consider it to be the most viable, consider that it's going to be a viable pregnancy 
And that's really interesting. So one, we might have to show up for that hearing. Not likely, especially because the state that that person's in is really a very progressive state. And But in the legal contract, it was so interesting. It was like the laws are sub- always subject to change and you have to change with the laws. So if surrogacy becomes illegal or they put particular restrictions on it, we have to deal with that. And also the pre-birth order is not guaranteed. Now, People don't go into this with the like that it's a high risk of it not working because I don't think it would be advised to try it. But it's just really interesting. And because our attorney is helping us with things in another state, you know, she doesn't have it's not her state. She's doing a great job. But, you know, I think she might feel maybe I don't know, maybe she feels more confident in that state because it's more progressive than North Carolina where we live. Regardless, it's there's still so much risk. Yeah, I mean, you're at the mercy of policy. It shows it has real impact on real people. Totally. And the last thing I want to say is that we did have a successful mock trial. It was incredible. It was so incredible to have her here and to be there for all of that. And getting, you know, it started to make me think about, and including in the legal piece, when we were thinking about in the legal document, it says, who's the first person to hold the baby? And it's me. And it's so emotional to to think about that. And it just made it so real. And it's it's just, it's just, I just have so much gratitude for our, you know, our potential GC. I just have so much gratitude that she would, that's so selfless. It's so generous. Yeah. Words can't express. And I'm, I'm actually a little nervous to be on the side of the birthing support. I'm like, I had a moment where I was like, this is really gruesome. Like, do you, did you feel like it was gruesome? What do you mean by gruesome? I think a lot of people who support the birthing person are nervous that like the blood and the things and all of that's going to be like a lot to see. I wasn't worried about that. Watching birthing videos. I I wasn't worried about that. Well, it kind of, I'm like, you know, to see, because maybe it's because it might. Plus it's like the doctor is right there. But maybe it's for me, it's like, I know how much like tearing and, you know, the forceps and all of the intervention. Maybe it's because of that that I'm, maybe it just triggers like a remembering of my own kind of what feels like a sort of brutal experience in my body. But I don't know. I'm like, it's like, I don't know. I get it. Like, I feel bad saying this, but like kind of get a little queasy. Like I finally relate to, because when you're the birthing person, you are, you're, you are a unique person that has both like <laughs> yeah been the birther yeah. well and i guess like doulas have all a lot of them have well doulas that. and also like same Nurses sex partners and, yeah. who are yeah. each having a baby like it is a, but it is that's that's got to be an interesting thing to have your baby you know arrive two babies arrive two different ways anyways sometimes i worry if we get ahead of ourselves this is all we're at right now is the waiting to finalize the legal so that we can move forward that's it. that's right one That's step it. at a time. Yep. Finalize the legal and then we'll start. And then the transfer will happen. Yeah. <sighs> All right. All right. Love, love you. Love you. Thanks, y'all, for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.